So let's look at it. Luke chapter 11, verses 33 through 36, the Word of God says, No man, when he hath lighted a candle, putteth it in a secret place, neither under a bushel, but on a candlestick, that they which come in may see the light. The light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when thine eye is single, thy whole body is full of light. But when thine eye is evil, thy body also is full of darkness. Take heed, therefore, that the light which is in thee be not darkness. And together, if thy whole body, therefore, be full of light, having no part dark, the whole shall be full of light, as when the bright shining of a candle doth give thee light. And let's pray. Lord, thanks for this powerful uh, scripture that we read, this great lesson that the Lord is teaching us. And we've been talking about the importance of vision, and uh, it's our yearly theme. Lord, I pray that throughout this year you'd give us each uh, an individual vision, a corporate vision, and that we would be able to see things like you see them. We'd be able to see into the future as how you want things to be and work towards those ends. Lord, we pray if there's someone here today that's not sure they're saved, not sure they're going to heaven, perhaps they still have the blinders on, they can't see the light of the gospel, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation. But Lord, those who are saved, help us to have clear sight. Help us to make sure there's nothing that would be hindering our spiritual vision so that we can be what you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. And so we've been focusing on vision for the last few weeks in a little series that goes along with our annual theme. Uh, in recent weeks, we discussed the supremacy of the written vision, and that is God's Word, how God told us that it is better for us to have His Word in writing, inspired, preserved for us, than if we were waiting to hear from God occasionally, even though we saw Him or heard Him. God's Word is better than visions. Then we talked about getting a Spirit-filled personal vision. So the Bible gives us the general vision, but then each one of us have a personal will that God wants us to have. He's got something for you to do. The Bible doesn't say uh, where Ethan should work or where uh, Martha should go to church or uh, who uh, Nancy Lynn should marry or uh, what, what you should do this week. But that becomes part of the spiritual vision, where within the boundaries of the general vision that, that trumps everything, God now, through His Word and through the Holy Spirit, begins to give me a personal vision and show me what next steps I should take in my life according to the will of God. And so we talked about the importance of having that Spirit-filled personal vision. And today I want to look at God's Word uh, for the answer to the start of poor vision. The start of poor vision. You know, you can have a vision from God, but it seems that many people today have lost their spiritual vision. Why is it that so many Christians seem to have no spiritual vision? Uh, we talked about the fact that when you got saved, God gave you spiritual sight. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 talks about that if any be lost, it's because the they still have the blinders on. The, the Satan has blinded them to the light of the gospel. They can't see who Jesus is. They can't see how to be saved. They, they don't understand and believe in the death, burial, and resurrection. 
They don't see the world like you and I see it. They're blind. But it's the light of the gospel that breaks through that blindness and takes off those blinders, and now someone can see. Just like Jesus used to go up to a blind person on the streets in Jerusalem and heal them and give them back their physical sight. When someone gets saved, God is doing a greater miracle of saving their soul and then giving them spiritual sight so that now they can see the world as God wants them to see it. God gives us sight at the new birth. But wait a minute. That means every Christian has vision. But why do so many people act like they don't? Why do so many people seem like they have no vision? Why do so many Christians seemingly uh, hobbling through this world, just going along with the world, doing what the world does, valuing what the world values, going the same direction? And it almost ought to be like spiritually speaking that there's people with sight in a midst of a mob where uh, the, the multitudes are walking around blind, tripping over each other, feeling for each other, not, not knowing what, what's going on. But then there's people with sight looking around at, at a room full of these spiritually blind people, and they're like, you, you can see. And it ought to, you ought to have this vision in your mind of just like walking through this uh, a fumbling crowd, looking for their way, but you can pick your spots and you can, oh, excuse me. And you come here and you come to a pitfall and, oh, I don't want to go there. I see that. And you come over here, it's like, oh, excuse me, I don't want to. Christians should be living with spiritual sight. And that gives us an incredible gift in a world full of darkness and blindness. But why is it that so many Christians act like they have no sight? The, the, the text verses that we read today explain to us the importance of vision. Jesus was teaching them a valuable lesson. And I'm going to just explain these verses to you, and then I'm going to give you a few reasons about things that can start giving you poor vision. And so let's look at our text. I look at verse 33, Luke chapter 11, verse 33. And of course, the sister passage is in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, Jesus said, No man, when he hath lighted a candle, putteth it in a secret place, neither under a bushel, but on a candlestick, that they which come in may see the light. So remember back then they didn't have electricity like we do now. The only light they would have would be from candles and such. We experience that occasionally where maybe a, a power outage uh, would happen. And thankfully, around here we haven't had uh, long power outages, but even just a year or two ago, uh, some of our, our members who lived out in the country went a week without electricity, a week without hot water, a week without light. Uh, I mean, you're talking about going back to the Stone Ages. And so uh, a week with no iPad. Ah, yeah, uh, all of those things. You can live without that, by the way. And uh, so back in these days, they would have to light a candle, and that would bring light into a dark room. Now, why do you light a candle? So you can see. A candle gives heat, a candle gives light. When we go camping, a lot of times you, you're, you're by the campfire, but man, it, you don't have to get very far away from that light before you can't see anything. Or the power outage goes out, and you can, have, you can light a little candle in a dark room, and it'll give you just enough light to, to see and make things out. But you light a candle so you can see. Imagine someone lighting a candle and then putting it under a bucket or a bushel. Well, that kind of defeats the purpose of lighting the candle, right? Or you light the candle, put it in the closet, and shut the door. Well, preacher, that makes no sense. That's what Jesus is saying. 
it makes no sense to light a candle and then hide it. And in that, that portion of Scripture, Jesus was saying, you're the light of the world. God didn't put light in us to hide us from the world. He put light in us so that the world could see his light through us. All right, but let's look at verse 34. Now he starts talking about vision. He says, so I'm going to compare the candle in a dark room to your eyes or your ability to see. So verse 34, he says, the light of the body is the eye. So what gives your body vision? What gives your body the ability to see? Just like if you put a candle in a dark room, all of a sudden you can see. It's your eyes that when you open them, it opens up a whole new world. Now you can see and now your body can function as God made it to function. All right, he says, verse 34, the light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when thine eye is single, thy whole body also is full of light. Now, the word single there means focused. When your eyes are able to focus, it's like your whole body being full of light because now you have the full control of your body. You can see where you're going. You can see if you want to reach for a glass of water. Oh, here it is. I don't have to fumble around for it. If I want to walk over there, I can just walk. My, my body is full of light. But he contrasts that and says, if thine eye is evil. Now that word evil means degenerate or diseased. If you're, but when thine eye is evil, thy body also is full of darkness. So he said, it's almost like your body's just in darkness because you can't see. So watch this. You can be in a fully lighted room but if you can't see, it might as well be dark. Does that make sense to you? And so Jesus is talking about the importance of vision. Uh, you have to be able to see, and God gave you eyes to be able to see. If your vision is single, if it's focused, if it's healthy, then your whole body is full of light. And of course, there's spiritual applications into that. But then if your eye is evil or diseased or there's something wrong with your sight, now it's like the whole body is full of darkness. Then verse 35 Take heed, therefore, that the light which is in thee be not darkness. What does that mean? There is no need for us to be in spiritual darkness. There's no need for a Christian to be spiritual darkness. Notice he says that the light which is in thee. But it's possible for us to have the light in us, but live like we're still in darkness. And so the Lord is warning us, don't allow the light in you to be like you're living in darkness. Then look at verse 36. If thy whole body therefore be full of light, having no part dark, the whole shall be full of light, as when the bright shining of a candle doth give thee light. And so when we live with vision, people can see the light in us and benefit from it, just as people in a dark room can benefit from the same lit candle, right? So my light, God's light in me is not just for me, it's for everybody else. Now it helps me first, but then I am to allow that light to shine through so it can help others. So God is saying here, our Lord was teaching us the importance of vision, if we have something diseased in our eye, if something's wrong with our vision, then we're going to live like we're still in darkness when we're not. And as we said before, I think there's a lot of Christians who are living like they're in darkness. 
So why no vision? Uh, what, what happens to someone to where God, they're born again, God gives them spiritual sight, they're a new creature, they can see the world differently, but they begin to lose their vision and they begin acting as if they're still blind. How, how can this happen? Let me say number one, I'll give you a few things here. Number one, they could be looking at the wrong thing. They could be looking at the wrong thing. Our text verse tells us that a healthy eye is single. That means it's focused. It can look at one thing at a time. And there's all kinds of different eye problems. And I know some people in here, whether it's old age or disease or, or different things, boy, the eyes, it's scary when you start losing your eyesight. It's really scary. And uh, I knew, I knew a, a man one time who he had a problem with his eyes to where he couldn't hold them still. It was a muscular problem in, in his eyes. And when he looked at you in, in, in his eyes, you know, normally you look at someone in the eyeball and you're just looking at one eye. He, he would just like his eyes would twitch like that. And he had a hard time focusing on, on one thing. It would, it would give him headaches because his eyes would bounce back and forth. And uh, it was hard. His eye wasn't single. Now, thank God he was still able to function and he had a, a good spirit about it. God had given him grace. But that, that's difficult. Uh, now, I have known other people that they have what's called shifty eyes. You ever know somebody like that? It's like they're totally healthy, but you can tell something's going on behind there where they're just like looking at both eyes back and forth like, can he tell I'm lying? Can he tell I'm lying? Huh? Can he tell? You know, that, that's a whole different problem. Uh, but perhaps we're looking at the wrong things. Look at uh, Colossians chapter 3. Brother Pash is going through Colossians in Sunday school, and I recommend you to uh, get here early if you're not already come to that Colossians just a, a powerful book wonderful book and a Colossians chapter 3 look at verse 1 if ye then be risen with Christ seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God set your affection on things above and not on things of the earth for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God when Christ who is our life shall appear then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members. And so he starts talking about you've got to start dealing with sin in your life. Why? Because I'm looking at things above. You know, before I got saved, all I cared about was this world. You know, and lost people today, they think that there's nothing beyond this world. Well, you live and then you die. And the guy that, that has the most toys when he dies wins. And, you know, make all the money you can, get as famous as you can, get all the stuff you can. And then, and then you hopefully you have a fun here and then you can die. Well, that's not the way Christians live. That's not the way we look at things. We understand that, that yes, we have this life. But when we get saved, God gives us eternal life and there is a world to come. And so we ought to be looking... We set our affections on things above. So I'm aware of everything in this world. And I try to be a good worker and a good father and a good husband and a, a good man and all of those things. But I'm, I'm, I'm focused on the heavenly. I'm living with one eye towards the heavens, knowing my, my vision is fixed. It's single. I want to live for Jesus this week. But see, if you got your mind on the if you got your eyes on the wrong things, that, that changes everything. Uh, you know, sometimes having kids is a lot of fun. And you get a lot of stories having kids. And uh, I like talking to my kids, and, and I'll be saying, uh, hey, can you pick that up on the floor over there? And I'm pointing over to my right. Hey, can you pick that up on the floor over there? And they're looking over my left like going, where? Where? And I'm like, look at my little finger. 
I'm pointing this way. All right, look, look over here. And sometimes I'm like, I'm, I'm not just standing this way because it's comfortable. You know, it's not cool. Over here, here. And sometimes when parent emphasizes it, some parents are like, over here. But my mom was always, she would like drag out and go slow motion with the here. It'd be like, over here. Uh. You ever heard anybody do that? He, look, look over. No, not over there. Over here. Uh. And sometimes I feel like that's what the Lord's doing to us. He's like, hey, look over here. Where? Where? Uh, over here, God's saying. Here, look up here. And we've got to get our eyes on, on the right things. You know, some people are so focused on things that aren't necessarily sinful, but they're distracting. And we have to set our affections on things above. Now, Matthew gives the same spiritual truths as, as uh, Luke chapter 11, but he adds an important application. So turn over to Matthew chapter 6. So verses 21 through 23 are sister passages to what we just read. But look at verse 23. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? It's actually worse to be able to see and pretend like you can't and not use your vision than to not be able to see at all. Do you agree with that? What a waste. What a waste to be able to see and, and, and then to not, to not use that, that gift. But then you notice there's a, a verse after verse 23 in Matthew chapter 6 that gives us an important application. Let's read it together. Ready? Verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. And so here's the application. Notice he talked about your vision's got to be single. If your eyes are healthy and you're able to focus on what's truly important, there's great power in that. But if your eyes evil or diseased or there's something wrong with it and, and you're not able to see, then you're living like you're in darkness. And then he makes an application. No man can serve two masters. You know, the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That means you're not able to make up your mind. Which way do I believe this or do I believe this? Am I going this way or am I going this way? You've got to be able to make, your, make up your mind. And you've got to do it by faith. Uh, because everything we do should be by faith. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And so we have to be able to, by faith to say, I'm supposed to go this way. Or I'm supposed to look at this. I'm supposed to focus on this. And so what he's saying, though, is that once you get your eyesight and you realize God's given you spiritual sight, you have to choose which master you're going to look at. You can't serve God and the devil. They're going two different ways. You can't live for God and the world. They're going two different ways. And so you have to have a, and here's what a lot, of, a lot of people do. On Sunday we'll be spiritual, but on Monday we're over here. And then, oh, maybe Wednesday night, maybe I'll, I'll go Thursday, I'm over here. And they're always back and forth. How about every day we just choose we're going to keep our eyes on the master and we're going to live for Jesus Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday. That means you still go to work, but you work harder because you're not working for a paycheck, you're working for God. And you still go home and take care of your family, but you're not doing it so the wife doesn't give you trouble. You're doing it because you want to love her as Christ loved the church. 
See, it changes everything when you focus your eyes on the master. Your whole body receives light, and now you're walking and living like someone who has full sight. But notice it also says you cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon's an old Babylonian word for money. It's kind of like a money god. A lot of people today make, god, um, make money out of God, or excuse me, make a god out of money. Our money's going to perish. I'm feeling pretty rich today. Let's see how much I got here. Woo! I got 35 bucks. Yeah. Hey, don't be jealous. Don't lust after that right there. Some of you are coveting that right now. Some people, they'll ruin their marriage for this. They'll neglect their kids for this. They'll neglect God for this. And you know what's crazy is, the only thing that makes this worth anything is the faith you have in the United States government. <laughs> That's getting less and less all the time, isn't it? And back in the old days, you'd have to have gold or silver, or you would trade something of value. And uh, now the government can just print more of this stuff anytime they want. It gets worth less and less. Uh, all I'm saying is, we put our faith in the wrong things. Now listen, if you got extra money you don't need, send it my way. I'll take care of it for you. You know, we'll, we'll put missionaries on the field. We'll, we'll start churches. We'll do a lot of things. We'll run buses and, and go far and wide and get out the gospel. I think that's a good money. There's nothing wrong with money. Money is a wonderful tool. But it's not made to be worshipped. It's not made to be bowed down to and let it direct your life. And so what God is saying here is some people lose their spiritual vision because they're looking at the wrong thing. Let's change our gaze and look to the master today, our Lord. Let's take our eyes off of money and pleasure and all, all of the things that this world has to offer that's going to burn up one of these days. I'm not saying, you know, you can enjoy the world. There's nothing wrong with that. We are supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. Christians are like boats. There's nothing wrong with a boat being in the ocean. The problem is when the ocean starts getting in the boat, right? And so there's nothing wrong with a Christian being in the world. God put us here. He left us here. We've got a job to do. But there's a problem when the world starts getting in the Christian. And so we have to be careful. Let's keep our eyes on, on the right thing. You know, you should probably also take your eyes off man. You know, man's going to fail you. I try to be a faithful pastor, but I'm not perfect. You need to look past me and see him. Amen. Wife, you need to look past your husband and see Jesus. A husband, you need to look past your boss and see Jesus. Children, you need to look past your parents and see Jesus. Now, yes, you, you obey and you work with the God-given leadership that, that he's put in your life at the time. But you have to look past that and say, I'm not in it ultimately for, for that person because that person is as flawed as I am. I'm in it ultimately for Jesus. And there's been, how many people have quit church because they had their eyes on a person? That's ridiculous. Well, they, they did me wrong. And you're surprised? Have you ever done anybody wrong? Well, I don't want to talk about that. 
Well, yeah, we, we all make mistakes. And sometimes good people do really dumb stuff. Right? But Jesus never fails. He'll never fail you. And so praise the Lord for that. And so let's look to the master. He alone has the keys to this life and the world to come. What's another reason why we lose our sight? Well, not only could we be looking at the wrong thing, but uh, number two, we might have tunnel vision. A tunnel vision is a loss of peripheral vision, but you can still see ahead of you. And so what happens is either because of disease or poison or adrenaline rush, your, your uh, eyes begin to focus and all you can see now is, is what's in front of you. And that's a dangerous way to live because God made us with peripheral vision so you can see threats and opportunities off to the side so I can still see my fingers wiggling way out here. I don't have to look over here and look over here. I can still see generally. And so God made us all with this idea of discernment and this idea that we can see things in relation to one another. God made our bodies to respond to an adrenaline rush. This is really cool, and this is what I want to say under this point. Uh, God made our bodies that under threats, uh, we get a, a rush of adrenaline. Blood rushes from our brain to our limbs, our legs and our arms, preparing us for fight or flight. The problem with that is people lo- lose the ability momentarily to think in, uh, in more difficult or complex ways. The thinking just narrows down to the very basics of, of how you're wired and what you've, how you've chosen to live, and your eyes, your eyesight narrows so you can see the threat in front of you. Uh, I have noticed over the years that some Christians get tunnel vision. With tunnel vision, with spiritual tunnel vision, you get so focused on one thing that you miss all of the other things. For example, you begin to see people's faults instead of their gifts. You begin to see their failures instead of their victories. You begin to see your play, yourself instead of others. Uh, you begin to make reasons instead of choosing righteousness. You know, the Bible says someone that, that's good at making excuses, seven men with good reasons can't talk them out of it. They're so they're so focused. This is this is no, I, I know what's right and I can see it and I can. You can see it. I can see perfectly. We, we have to be careful of that with tunnel vision. We can't see cause and effect. We can't see how our actions are affecting other people because all we can do is see what's in front of us. With tunnel vision, we fail to see the relationships. So I'm doing this, but I can't see what's happening over there. And I'm going this direction, but I can't see the, the, the enemy or the snare that's waiting for me right over here. And so spiritual tunnel vision is a real problem. And here's what happens. Uh, maybe you've gotten, uh, had some trauma. Maybe you've had someone attack you. Maybe you've had something surprise you and give you an adrenaline rush. Maybe there's something that's really exciting. And if you're not careful, you have to understand that sometimes we get that spiritual tunnel vision and we just don't see things clearly. Sometimes it's someone so focused on one doctrine that they don't pay attention to all the rest. We don't want to have tunnel vision. We want to be able to see and have full faculties. So why do people lose their spiritual vision? Maybe they're looking at the wrong thing. Perhaps they have tunnel vision. Uh, number three, perhaps there's something in your eye. 
Look at Matthew chapter 7. In this great portion of Scripture that the Lord told us, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. Now, I want you to look at me. This is one of the most misused portions of Scripture in the Bible in this generation. So if someone wants to do wrong, they'll just look at you and say, don't judge me. Don't judge me. And as I've often told you, I'll look at them and say, I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you what the judge said. God said that's wrong. So how do we reconcile this? The Bible does say judge not, but the Bible also says judge righteous judgment. So God wants us to judge things. Matter of fact, you can't help but see a situation and make a judgment. Is that right? Is that wrong? Is that appropriate? Is that beneficial? That's how we live. That's how God made us. What Jesus is saying here is, when he said judge not, he's saying you can't go beyond the facts. So if I see someone doing wrong, I can say, hey, don't do that. That's wrong. That's not judging them. Judging them is when I say, here's why you did that. Judging them means don't don't read into the motives and start thinking that you somehow have some a special knowledge about why people feel the way they feel or why they're doing what they're doing. Right. So I can say, hey, that's a sin. And I can't say, hey, that's a sin. And you're doing it because X, Y, Z. And because your mother did this and your father. No, no, I just went beyond. So we judge the facts, but we stop there. So Jesus is saying. I'm going to look at how you judge people and as much as you read into them and you start assuming things and you start telling yourself a story, that's how I'm going to treat you. And nobody wants that, do they? So I want to just set the record straight. This is not saying, hey, you don't have any opinion about what anybody does. That's not what the Bible's saying. It's saying stick with the facts, just the facts, ma'am. Stick with the facts. Make judgments based on the facts and the word of God, but I can't go there. I can't go any past that because I don't know. And then we ought to be helping people, not looking for ways to just be judgmental and put people down. We ought to be trying to reconcile people back to the word of God. All right, so let's read on. Verse 3, and then Jesus tells a little story. Why beholdest thou the mote? Now a mote is a little speck, all right, a little piece of dust little piece of sawdust maybe. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, and considerest not the beam? Now the beam would be like a two by four. So he said, why are you paying attention to the speck that's in your brother's eye, and you're not paying attention that you've got a big two by four sticking out of your eye? And he says, verse four, how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull the mote out of thine eye, and behold, thou hast a, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast the mote out of thy brother's eye. So here's the thought. How many of you ever got something in your eye? I mean, that hurts. I mean, Patrick came Wednesday night, and uh, poor guy, man, his eye was all swollen and, and looking bad. I thought he was drunk at first. And uh, no, I'm kidding. He didn't. Uh, but he, he had his eye all swollen up, and, and uh, he had got something stuck in his eye at work. And uh, man, it can, it can mess you up. Thankfully, uh, it worked itself out. Uh, when I was a young man, I remember I was working. And I got something in my eye, and, and actually a, a piece of sawdust scratched my eye. 
And I laid on the couch for a day with a cold cloth over my eye. And after about six or seven hours, you're wondering, hey, am I ever going to be the same? But these eyes are, are pretty delicate things. So do you think it would kind of distort your vision if you had a two-by-four sticking out of your eye? Here's what God's saying. Sometimes we lose our spiritual vision because we're so focused on the faults of others, we fail to see our own. You ever been there? It's possible for us to project our faults and experiences and sins onto other people. We see things differently than they are in truth. I've had people do that to me. They're like, uh, years ago we had someone come and they came to me about a problem and I'm, I'm like, hold on. I said, I said that's, that's not the way I think and that's not what we've ever done here. And after talking to them for a few minutes, it became, they said, well, I had a pastor one time that used to handle things this way and so I just assumed you would handle things that way. And I said, but that, that's, not, that's not how we do things. That's not what I believe the Bible says. And they're like, oh. But they approach me with the idea that he's going to do exactly like, see, we can tend to do that to people, can't we? Maybe you have someone in your past that really hurts you. And if you're not careful, you'll project that pain onto other people. Maybe you've had people betray you, and you begin to project that. Maybe you have your own sins, and sometimes the sins we have the least patience for are the sins that we struggle with the most ourselves. And so the Bible's teaching us that it's, it's possible for us to lose spiritual vision. We get so busy trying to fix everybody else that we forget, I've got my hands full fixing me. And so let's fix myself. I'm harder on myself than I am on you. The way, the way humans naturally go in their sinful flesh is they give themselves a pass and they're hard on others. God's way is I give everybody else mercy and I deal, I deal sternly with myself. And then once I get myself straight, I can see to help people with their problems. But don't come at me to get something out of my eye if you've got a two-by-four sticking out of yours. All right, so we're moving on. Is this helping you? Why can people not see? Uh, number four is just possibly it's age. Vision degrades with age. Let me read you a portion of Scripture, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Verses 1 through 3, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain. What he's saying, and you can read Ecclesiastes chapter 12 later, he's encouraging young people to serve God while they're young. A lot of people say, well, I'm going to do my thing while I'm young, and then when I get older, I'll serve God. Well, no, when you get older, you don't have the same opportunities as you do when you're young. And Ecclesiastes chapter 12 gives a fascinating account of how, of what it's like to grow older. And, you know, your, your eyes start to darken. And that's what he's talking about, the sun, the light, the moon. And he says uh, that when you look out the windows in verse 3, the windows are darkened. And so when you get old, your vision begins to wane. Uh, days aren't that pleasurable. You know, you, you, everybody gets to a certain age where, man, you can't really sleep and your body doesn't do what you want it to do. And I, I, like, I love our senior saints and I like going into the, one of the nursing homes we go to, assisted living. There's mostly 90-year-olds in there. And man, some of them are sharp as a tack. You know, the hard thing about growing old is your soul doesn't, doesn't age. 
your soul is eternal, but your body, the husk that our soul is in, gets old and it stops working. We get pains in places we didn't know we had. We start having all these difficulties. Uh, you know, guys, uh, they, they start losing hair on their head and it starts growing everywhere else. You know, I had a guy, Mr. Hobbs, when we were in sixth grade, we went to play. He's, we were playing basketball. He was our junior high basketball coach, and he said, let's play shirts and skins. Well, he took off his shirt, and it still looked like he had a shirt on. I mean, we were all grossed out. It's like, what's going on? I mean, he looked like some kind of bear. And then nobody would guard him because he would just, it was like where he was wearing a carpet. And uh, nobody would guard him because you didn't want to touch it. He was all sweaty and gross. It was like, ah. And then we're like, is that what's going to happen to all of us? You know, and it's, uh, things happen. You know, your, your teeth begin to uh, fall out or age or break. And so Ecclesiastes chapter 12 talks about the problems with getting older And the encouragement is to serve God while you're young. And I encourage everybody in this room, serve God while you're young. Now, maybe you're hearing this and you're in your 20s or your 30s. Serve God now. Maybe you're in your 40s or your 50s. Serve God now. Maybe you're in your 50s or 60s or 70s or 80s. Serve God today. Today's the only day you have. Choose to serve God this week. Don't lament over the past. Don't say you're going to do it in the future. Today is the day of salvation. Get saved today. Serve God today. So as just like we lose our spiritual vision when we get physically older, or we lose our physical vision, we can lose our spiritual vision as we age. Now, here's what I'm saying. Sometimes people have been saved so long that they forget where they came from. They've been saved so long they forget what it was like to be lost. They begin living with no vision no past, no passion. They begin coasting. Their motto becomes, let someone else do it. They begin to bask in the glory of their own salvation while forgetting there's a lost and dying world that Jesus died to save. And I want to encourage you today, never get too far away from Calvary. When you start feeling that that, that calluses get on your heart when you start getting a little bit selfish and you start feeling like, well, as long as me and my family are okay, as long as, as, long as my family's going to heaven, as long as my kids are saved, and you, you begin to just kind of circle the wagons and enjoy this life, man, you better, you better go back to Calvary and realize there was a day when you were lost. There was a day when if you would have stopped breathing, you would have gone to hell. There was a time when you realized you couldn't save yourself and you felt that conviction and you felt your need of Christ. Do you remember what it was like to be newly saved and you would have tears come to your eyes because you couldn't believe God loved you and you couldn't believe God would save you? Do you remember what it's like to put your head on your pillow and now you had peace for the first time in your life and you knew everything was going to be okay because God was alive, but now we've gone used to it. We know we're not going to hell. We, 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 our, our marriages are okay. Man, nothing's falling apart perhaps. And we just go to bed. We just get, get uh, lazy. Can happen to the best of us. Happens to pastors. Happens to good people. We need to remember that there are others starving for the love of God. There are others who would give anything to know the redemption of Christ. We can't lose our passion. We can't lose our vision. Let me say lastly, this is perhaps the most obvious of all reasons why people lose their vision. Perhaps your eyes are just closed. It's so simple, it's easy to overlook. 
sometimes we can't see because we just don't want to. There's something called eye blocking whenever you study uh, posture and what that means. It's a really fascinating study. I know what each of you are thinking right now. Oh, can't believe you're thinking that. And no, I, no, it's just interesting. It's not an exact science, but it's interesting. You can tell who's interested, who's not. You can tell, for example, if you're talking to someone but their feet's pointed towards the door. Yeah? Yeah? They're telling you, hurry up. I, I'm, I'm heading that way. And so, uh, but, but one thing is called eye blocking, where if you're having a difficult conversation with someone, they'll just shut their eyes. And what they're saying is, I don't want to hear this. And maybe they're not saying, I don't want to hear this, but they'll just shut their eyes. They'll kind of lock, shut down for a minute. You know, it's easy for us to do that spiritually, too. Sometimes we just get a stubborn spirit. Sometimes we don't want to hear what God says. Sometimes we want to do it our way. Leave me alone. I don't want to hear it. Okay, I'm listening. As their eyes are shut. No. Sometimes we just need to open our eyes. Be willing to hear the truth. Be willing to see what God wants us to see. Sometimes people shut their eyes out of fear. You ever notice that when you get really scared, ah! shut your eyes. It's natural to close your eyes when you're afraid. Some of you are facing such difficult circumstances. I'm talking about right now. You're facing scary things. Maybe it's a change in a relationship. Maybe it's a, a change in direction God has you going. Maybe you feel like a marriage slipping through your fingers. Maybe, maybe you have kids that you're worried about. Maybe your spouse you're worried about. Maybe financially you're just scared to death for the future. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe the doctor is, is do, running tests and, and you, you've, you've got some difficulties. And you don't know what's going on, but you fear the worst. And man, sometimes when we have that fear, whatever the reason, we have that fear and we begin to shut our eyes and, and we begin to kind of shut down, just, just bracing ourselves. Well, when we've got our eyes shut, we lose that spiritual vision. And so I encourage us today that when we get fear, uh, fearful, yes, it might be the initial reaction to close our eyes, but we, we can remind ourselves that God said, fear not. We can remind ourselves that Jesus said, be not afraid. And, and we can open our eyes and then we can still clearly see. And Jesus, or the, the, the Old Testament says, and yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil in Psalm chapter 23. But folks, the way you want to walk through that valley is with your eyes wide open. Yes, we're scared. Yes, we're worried. Yes, we fret at times. But the God of heaven can comfort you with a comfort like no other. He can give you peace like you've never sensed. Be not afraid. And I'll just say lastly, people close their eyes because they're just simply overwhelmed. The world we live in today, there's so much busyness. There's so much expected of you. Bosses, work, family, all the digital life that, that sucks up so much of our, our life and attention. Uh, it just gets overwhelming. I mean, we still got to mow the lawn and clean the house and do the dishes and take showers and groom ourselves. And then you got to go out and, and do things like shop for groceries and, and get the kids clothes. And uh, it, it's just overwhelming. And has anybody, am I the only one where it's just sometimes you're just like, how in the world am I supposed to get all this done? If we're not careful, what we'll do is just kind of huddle up. We get overwhelmed and we just kind of freeze. 
and we stop doing the things that will help us the most. When you're overwhelmed, that's not the time to stop coming to church. That's not the time to stop reading your Bible or stop praying. It's not the time to push away your pastor, your Christian friends. Matter of fact, I love the verse, Psalm 61, 2, From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. When you're overwhelmed, that's the time where you run to the rock. You run to the Lord. How's your spiritual vision? God gave you sight at new birth. If you can't see, there's a problem. Which of these vision problems do you need to ask Jesus to help you with today? Perhaps we're looking at the wrong thing. Perhaps we've got tunnel vision. We're focused on one thing to the exclusion of everything else. Maybe we've got something in our eye. We're so focused on the sins of others and the faults of others that we're blinded. Perhaps it's just age. Maybe it's been way too long since we've been to Calvary. It's been way too long since we thank God for our salvation, since we remembered what God saved us from. Or maybe our eyes are just plain closed. Whatever the situation today, I want you to ask God to give you a vision. A vision from God. Not a vision fueled, fueled by human ambition or vain desires or deceitful lust, but by the Spirit of God. God, give me a vision today. If there's anything in my, my eyesight, anything hindering me from seeing what I need to see and being the light I need to be, God, I ask you to help me today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the time we were able to spend in your word. Pray that you would give us spiritual vision. Help us. Thank you for the new birth. Thank you for the we can know for sure we're going to heaven. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God that teaches us how to live like you, be like you. Lord, I pray today that we would all do an inventory of our lives and see if there's anything that's hindering our vision, anything that might be blurring things unnecessarily so. Give us clarity. And then, Lord, there are times when we've just got to walk through the fog. We've got to walk through the mist and trust you. Help us to be able to see the next steps in front of us as you give us a vision. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. In just a minute, we're going to have a moment of invitation. If you're not sure you're saved, we'd love to take a Bible and show you how you can know for sure. If you are saved, and many of you have the testimony of Christ, do you have a, a spiritual vision? Do you know where you're headed? Do you know what God wants you to do? Maybe you've been getting a little frustrated. Maybe you've been getting angry. Maybe, maybe you've just had some... You, you see today that there's some things that are affecting your spiritual vision. Would you ask God to help you today?